0: you glad you're in the evening time. Amen. Praise be to God. Morning light brought morning results. Midday light brought midday results. Evening light will bring evening time results, which is a rapture. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Let's turn today, if you would, to Psalms 46.1. Psalms one. I love the word today, don't you? just so appreciate God's word. Psalms 46.1 is another one of those uh, identified as a messianic psalm. Uh, there's many of those that um, God, by his spirit, was able to anoint David in such a way that uh, David was, as the scripture calls him, a prophet. But he was somewhat different than Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Much of his messianic prophecy he received in the form of song. For those people in a modern song day writer, they would read the book of Psalms and at every other line, at the end of that line, they look for the word to be able to rhyme. But that's only in modern terms, thinking. A messianic song or psalm did not rhyme that way. But it's the way that God wrote it. Many of them are beautiful, if you've ever heard the the Hebrews, how they take them and put it together. And this one is one that's kind of... uh, veiled the millennium is veiled in it but once you're able to look at it you can see it quite clear to the chief musician for the sons of Korah a song upon Alamuth. God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble it's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible anyway for difficulty but once you look into it a little bit more look in verse 2 therefore we will not fear though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea though the waters thereof roar and be troubled though the mountains shake with swelling thereof now remember this was actually sung there is a river the streams whereof shall make glad the city of god the holy place of the tabernacles of the most high praise god let's go what do you say forget lunch let's just forget everything let's just leave amen how many like to be remembered today as we pray i've got several prayer clothes here that i'd like to uh, preach with and pray over today brother jim babb um, Sister Barbara Whitson's been really sick, had pneumonia and flu and coughing and just really needs our prayers. Also, um, Harry's wife Karen, she was sitting down in the meetings at Brother David's last week, and couldn't even attend the service and still not feeling well this weekend. Also, a brother from Kentucky, Brother David Duval, his wife has also requested her prayer calls. And you have a need today in your heart, your life before the Lord. Let's just take them there and knowing that we're not approaching some wood, a piece of stone. Uh, some kind of God that's been man-made, but the living God. Heavenly Fathers, we approach you today. We are so thankful that we still have a mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. We thank you, Father, that no preacher, no priest, no woman, no president, no prime minister could have ever gone between God and man to be able to bring in the work of redemption, So you had to send an attribute of your own being called Jesus Christ, which we identify and know as the sonship of God. We are so grateful, Father, for what you've done. Now today we approach you through the shed blood, through that given name to the family of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see the needs of your children as they were uplifted, Father, we want you to Remember today, Lord, Brother Swanson, Brother David Swanson, his family, Brother Jim, Lord, and those that have lost the passing of our dear sister, we pray that you just help them and comfort their hearts. Lord, these prayer calls that I hold in my hand today, dear God, we're just asking you in the name of Jesus that you would move for these needs. Lord, there was hundreds of hands that went up in this place today. It signified a need, a desire. We're asking that you would help us. We don't know how you'd do it. But we know that you could hear millions of people on the earth pray at the same time. You could hear them in every language and every dialect. And you could understand every word they are saying. While petitions are coming up around the world, we bring ours today as well. We ask that you would help us. Now we come to this important part of the service, which is the word. We're asking, dear Father, that you'd be made known among us. May we be able to be like those on the way to Emmaus as you talked to them along the way and they didn't recognize you. But once you got into the inn and you sat down and you took the bread and blessed it and you broke it the way you did before and when they saw the way you broke the bread, they recognized it was you and you vanished out of their midst. May we be able to hear not Donnie Reagan today. May we not have come to see a person but may we be able to hear the Lord Jesus. And may we know it's you by the way that you break the bread. Father, help us today, we ask. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and King. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Saints. You may be seated. Out of all the honeymoons that's ever been had, we're looking at one that will never be replicated again. We're looking at one that historically there has never been anything quite like it. Taking it from the Song of Solomon, we know that it was a great thing when Solomon had been able to bring the little girl, the humble little shepherdess that he had found in the northern part of the land of Israel. She was a poor girl. She was uneducated. She wasn't uh, one that many people would look at and have very much to say about her. But yet there was something about her when Solomon was out and surveying his kingdom, going through the place that God had made him king of, that she got his attention. He began to then give favors and attention toward her, which initially was overwhelming, as it would be so, since this was the greatest king on the earth at the time. Could have any woman, no doubt that he would have wanted Uh, Part of his harem was made out of women of great renown, women that were famous, women who were the daughters of kings, women who were given as pawns in some way to be able to make their theocracy of the kingdom be able to work better. But when he saw this woman, there was something about her that was different than anybody else that he saw. He fell in love with her, and he wanted to take her to himself. It takes him quite some time to be able to woo her, to be able to convince her that his love is genuine and true. She doesn't understand why would a man such as he care for a woman such as her, a woman who had absolutely nothing. Her hands, no doubt, were callous somewhat because she had been neglected by her brothers and her mother. Uh, She was actually called to tend her mother and her brother's sheep, as well as her own. Actually, she was out in the field whenever Solomon saw her the first time. Her skin was somewhat darkened by the sun. And she was looked upon as the women of that day which considered a light complexion, was considered to be one of great honor because it was a sign of your wealth, that you were not made to get out in the sun. But she was not that way. She had a dark complexion and her skin had had been maybe a few wrinkles, you know, by the sun. So it was identified by looking at her that she was used to labor. She was used to difficulty. And looking at herself, she quite couldn't understand why would a king ever want me? Why would he ever look at me and want to make me as part of one of his of his own household? I don't understand. I can relate to that myself, can't you? Why would God ever care for us? Why would God ever want anything to do with us? Most of us had nothing to bring him but a shattered life. A life that was full of sin, shame, sickness, sorrow, defeat, difficulty, on and on and on. And yet the mercy of God extended to us and is still doing. doing so to this very day in a way that completely overwhelms us. So it took him some time to be able to relate to her the depth of his love and to be able to describe to her. And I imagine that Solomon was a man that was very well educated. You can read from uh, from reading the book of Ecclesiastes, also the Song of Solomon, and also the Proverbs. Uh, The man had an understanding that was phenomenal, given to him by God. And yet, I would imagine in talking to her and writing to her, as he would send her little love notes and things to be able to express how he felt about her, that even in his writing and his talking, it was an act of condescension, how that he would condescend to her level, because he knew that she struggled with the vast difference between them in culture and society in every way. And he would no doubt condescend in even the words that he would use to write to her in a way that she would be able to relate. So we know that Solomon, when he would write, that he would write about nature. He would write about animals, and his his, his literary ability was quite overwhelming, but yet you compare Ecclesiastes to the Song of Solomon, you you compare the Song of Solomon to the book of Proverbs, and it's almost like it's a different author. That's why actually some of the theologians think that the Song of Solomon was written by a different man than that of Solomon, but they totally miss the revelation, but it's written by the same man, but in the act of condescension to the love of his life. So to those who would read it, you can see why it would be so overwhelming. Can you imagine our God, our great king, if he would write a book... If he would write a book of his own depths of understanding, of his own knowledge of the perception of life. If he would write a book displaying his own great wisdom, no man on the earth that has ever lived would ever be able to understand probably past the first paragraph. If he would write of his own wisdom, of his own understanding, giving the formulas of life, giving the acts and the laws of his own universe, even the great Einstein would not be able to write. Stephen Hawking's, all the great brilliant geniuses of our age would not be able to get past probably the greeting and the preface of the very first page but yet in order to convey his love to his sweetheart he had a Bible written that he would call the Holy Bible he would have it written by 40 different authors over a span of time that would cover 1600 years he would have those men to live on different continents he would have them cultured and raised in different societies he would have some some of them speaking Hebrew, some of them Chaldeic, some of them Omar, oh some of them Greek, some of them Aramaic, some of them Yiddish, Omar. Oh and he would do it all as an act of condescension in order to write this book in a way that even the common people would be able to receive him gladly. So what did he do? He did it in a way of condescension that you and I would be able to understand him. Even the also would write about him as if though he were a man. And they would pin about God that it grieved the very heart of God that he had made man. And therefore God repented as as if though God needed to repent. They would say so many things about him, and the prophets would prophesy about him in such a way that the readers of the book would try to understand. Is the prophet speaking about himself, or is he speaking about another? You know, they could not understand and comprehend. So is it when you and I read of his blessed book, even to this day, that it takes inspiration from him to be able to comprehend what does it all mean what is it all about is the story about himself or is it about himself and others is it about himself and others and an, an invisible kingdom and also a visible kingdom which is going to be made manifest the millennium do we need it the a-millennius would say no uh, according to the a the millennium is all spiritual according to the post Millennials, they have a total different view the pre they have a total different view all of them reading it from the same bible but yet reading it without the inspiration of the author and you see the only way we'll ever be able to understand his book is to have the life of the author living inside of us or we'll never comprehend it it'll be like reading a foreign language it'll be like reading something without ever being able to comprehend it we try to look at it from a natural perspective. So you have those who make the millennium totally spiritual. That's not just on the message, but you have many theologians who make the millennium totally spiritual. They spiritualize the temple. They spiritualize all the scriptures we've been reading. They spiritualize every one of them. The millennialist view. But we understand that the way the word of God is written, much of it is spiritual, but much of it is natural. Now we know that God so desired in order to make it. Now the danger of making things spiritual that he wanted to be natural is that we are taking away from the expression of his attributes. Now he wanted to become tangible. He wanted to become personified in human form. He wanted to live in the realm of cosmic light and phosphorus and and all of the cells and things around us. So whenever we take him away from that realm, we're taking away from his desire to be expressed he wanted to be a human being so if we try to make him something other than that we are taking from him he wanted there to be a natural kingdom on the earth called a millennium When we try to spiritualize that, we are taking away from the manifestation of his attributes of what he wanted to express in time. When we try to spiritualize his coming and say that he came in 1963 and take away from the material corporal literal return, once again, we are taking away from the expression of his attribute which he desired to reveal himself in a literal body And come after his bride in that form the same way when we try to spiritualize the intercessory work of him and say now the intercessory work is done and the bride is the intercessor we don't need the blood no more so on and so on and so on once again we are taking away from his desired expression so we want to make spiritual that which he made spiritual and we want to leave natural that which he made natural praise the Lord we believe in a spiritual birth we believe in many things that are spiritual but myself I never want to be guilty of trying to spiritualize what God wanted to naturalize neither do I want to naturalize what he wanted to spiritualize so as we look and study in the word then we must find this profound balance by which God helps us to be able to understand what is spiritual what is natural what is the mixture of the two now as we looked at last night that the Millennium is actually the closing. Oh, hallelujah! The millennium is the closing of God's week of time, which has been on the earth that dropped down out of this circle of eternity. Now, the prophet called it a loop of time or a little hickey. So, it dropped down out of that. Of course, when the Logos went out of the eternal, it's when it no doubt began. But as we look at it, as far as man's time on the earth, the millennium will be the last increment of time of this week that God has laid out a week or 7,000 years and God desires to close it out and it will be a glorious closeout it will be called the millennium reign of our Lord Jesus Christ he will be identified as the son of David he will also come to this earth in a physical form his bride will be here with him in physical form and there will be the people of the earth that will be raised they also will be in physical form now notice again in Psalms 46 let's go back here to Psalms 46 2 I want you to read with me now and watch very carefully verses 2 3 and 4 what we're going to find is the geological and the topographical changes which are going to take place on the earth as we go into the millennium now watch Psalms 46 2 therefore we will not fear though the earth be removed now it's sounds as if though something is going on a great shaking and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea so something is going on on the earth a great catastrophe as it was that actually is moving part of the mountains into the sea now remember the eighth day is when there will be no more sea but in the millennium there will be sea but the reason of this is so that Jerusalem and Mount Moriah, Mount Zion might be the highest place on the earth in the millennium. Notice now in verse 3. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled. Though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. So part of the mountains are being pushed into the sea. Part of the mountains are shaking. No doubt the boulders are crumbling down. The waves are roaring. The waters are pitching and turning on. What is it? It's actually getting ready for the millennium. Now notice then he jumps over and he Into the temple by which will be erected or built on Mount Moriah. And he says, There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Now remember, there will come a great river. You remember the Garden of Eden, of course. There was four rivers that come out and formed into a head. And they went one way, another way, another way, another way. Havala, the gold, the gold was good there. The Tigris, the Euphrates. But here when we come to the millennium, the river will come out from under the throne, which is in the temple city. And there it will make a gigantic impasse of river. And it will come and go toward the east and under part of the sea. And they'll go toward the Mediterranean and the Dead Sea, East and the West. And out of there it makes the city of God glad. Actually, the Dead Sea, which of course nothing lives in it but just certain bacteria and certain microorganisms now. But there the Dead Sea will actually come to life so much that fishermen will go there to fish. According to what the prophet said in the Old Testament now notice verse 5 speaks about the coming of our Lord Jesus to defend his people in Armageddon God in the midst of her she shall not be moved God shall help her and that right early now watch verse 6 as it tells us of the rage and the trouble among the nations the heathen rage and the kingdoms were moved he uttered his voice the earth melted so what are we doing now we're looking at the end of the tribulation and we're fixing to usher in the millennium and he's closing out with the wrath of God upon the Gentile nations. Verse 7 and 8 tell us about the Messiah going to take up residence inside the city. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Salah, which is a musical break in the music as they're singing the song. Come behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he has made in the earth. Now here we're winding up with the Armageddon being finished. The earthquakes are consummated and the rivers and all have got out of their banks. Oh my, it's absolute total turmoil on the face of the earth. And we're looking at the earth in such a chaos. But God must bring it to this chaotic state in order to burst a millennium out of it. Oh my notice come behold the works of the Lord what desolations he has made in the earth now notice what he's also going to do in verse 9 in that he will make make all wars to cease and destroy the weapons he maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth he breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder he burneth the chariot in the fire notice verse 10 be still and know that I am God I will be exalted among the heathen, I will be exalted in the earth. Verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. What a song. Praise be to God. Now you imagine when he comes upon the earth, and the Mount of Olives is split in half, as we read last night in That great tumult will come upon the earth. And the majority of the people of the earth, oh man, what a terrible time it's going to be. And we know all that are alive will be killed. And then we'll go into this destructive cycle to where the earth's atomic power when the earthquakes and all these things that will happen. And then we will enter into the lull before the millennium. So, all the people will now be killed, those creatures of time which have lived upon the earth and come up against the holy city. They will be killed. Everyone will be annihilated, but there must be a resurrection. But the earth itself must first be renewed as it was in the Garden of Eden. I and mean, we you know Genesis 1 1, God created the heavens and the earth. And then the scripture tells us the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said let there be light and yet we know God never creates anything in a formless mass of a mess he never does that so there was a chaos between verse 1 and verse 2 and then God is now reversing the earth for her to come forth again so we've got three cycles of the earth Peter mentions about it the world that was and the world that was then and the world that is now so we're going into that cycle to where God is going to use the earth again the earth is a tool by which God wanted to sow his seed and God needed a place to sow his seed and of course he wouldn't sow it in heaven so he made a place called the earth and God sowed his seed upon the earth. The earth is identified as a female. You know that in the Bible and it refers to her as being a her. So God sowed his seed, his spoken word. Let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be. What's God doing? Sowing his seed. And yet whenever this chaos come upon the earth and something happened to the earth and this vast and this mess that was there, water covered the over the earth and the atmosphere was dark but what did God do? God rolled back the clouds and the fog and the mist and the sun which was already there began to shine. The prophet tells us in the fourth seal I believe the seeds were laying there from some former or some other civilization. So they were already there. All they needed was atmosphere to be able to bring it forth. Same thing in the millennium. Now at the end of the tribulation period all this stuff will come upon the earth but all the seeds won't be destroyed They'll all already be here. So in the last day of the tribulation period, when he comes and takes it over, then death eradicates everything that's on the earth. Satan will be bound for a thousand years. Then we enter into the cleanup then there will be a law now the elect of god of course may be raised up off the earth just far enough. remember but then you'll be able to dimensionally travel so you can travel like a thought so actually all these news think about it and we're pulled up off the earth high enough into another realm as far as fear of miles it could be millions of miles away but you're not really that far away because it's a dimension so you move up into that realm and then all of a sudden he goes to moving upon the earth again as he did when it was rebirthed Ago, And the Spirit of God begins to dry up all oh, the mess that's there and the waters and, and the seas and so on. And the volcanoes that are that have pushed out and the earthquakes. And then we see this gigantic mountain go to raising up over in Jerusalem. Because there the house of God will be built. And there from there will be the headquarters of the new kingdom on the earth. Oh my, how long for it. And yet then the elect of God start appearing upon the earth. It could be sometime. It could be weeks. It could be months who knows how long it'll be. But the resurrection then will set in cycle of Psalms chapter 2, ask for me the heathen and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. It's going to be a terrible time on that battle of Armageddon. It's going to be a terrible mess. There'll be blood, there'll be bodies, there'll be the office mess that the earth has ever known. So it's going to take some cleanup. We won't want to have no honeymoon with a bunch of dead folks lying around. What kind of honeymoon would that be? My goodness, we don't, we're not interested in the walking dead, nor the laying dead, nor the buried dead. We want walking life is what we're interested in. So there will have to be a cleanup. Then at the dawn of that seventh morning, then we will look at the earth and maybe understand it with a perception like we've never known before that the earth finally, our first time, the earth, that we have lived on this earth and she's standing back up in the proper tilt of her axis she's no longer tilted the way she is now spending a thousand miles an hour out on the universe and tilted over on her axis and we can see now the spring solstice heading toward the summers. it's coming in and the green and the grass and the plants and trees and so on Is that right? But yet in the dawn of the millennium, there will be no more winter. There will be no spring and summer and fall and winter. But the earth will stand back up again the way that God made her in the first place. Why? Because her master has been redeemed. Man was the one that God gave the dominion of the earth to. And when the man fell, the earth fell. And when man stands back up again, the earth will stand. Back up again. Notice Isaiah 14:1 for the Lord will have mercy on Jacob. Will he yet choose Israel and set them in their own land? And the strangers shall be joined with them. Notice now, Israel's going to come back into the land, but she won't be by herself. Strangers, which are Gentiles, strangers shall be joined with them and they shall cleave to the house of Jacob. Verse 3, notice what he said, and it shall come to pass in the day that the Lord shall give thee rest from thy sorrow and from thy fear and from the hard bondage wherein thou wast made to serve. Oh, happy day. That thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, how hath the oppressor ceased? The golden city, which is of course Babylon, ceased. The Lord hath broken the staff of the wicked and the scepter of the rulers. Who, oh my, he who smote the people in wrath with a continual stroke, he that ruled nations his anger is persecuted and none hungriest. The whole earth, listen to this. The first time this could be said, friends, since the Garden of Eden. The whole earth is at rest. Oh, praise God. It ain't been at rest since Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It ain't been at rest since that squatter, the devil, moved in and took it over. But it shall come to pass that one day Jesus, the archangel, who knows exactly who it'll be, but there'll be a voice that'll stand up and say, the whole earth is at rest and is quiet. They break forth into singing amen can you imagine those of us as the elect of God sending there in glorified bodies and when we hear the announcement being made the whole earth is at rest and we will raise our voices in a chorus that's never been heard on the earth before Hallelujah! that'll make the leaves shake on the trees As the saints of God begin to say amen, hallelujah, praise be to our God. He has brought to pass his word. This day, this scripture is fulfilled. The whole world is at rest. Yea, the fir trees rejoice at thee, and the cedars of Lebanon saying, since thou art laid down. No feller has come up against us. Imagine trees will start talking in the millennium. They're talking now. You just can't hear them. The whole creation is groaning right now. Notice Isaiah 24, 23. Then the moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his ancients gloriously his ancients which are his children they have now entered beyond time glory be to God they are considered ancients why they're akin to the ancient of days of course now what's the triumphs of the kingdom age Isaiah 25 6 and in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast Praise God. Of fat things. a feast of wines on the lees. Of fat things full of moral. Of wines on the lees. Well refined. Notice how this feast is going to be gathered. In this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto. Notice all people. God's gonna give a feast. Amen. A feast of fat things. A feast of wines on the lees. Now the word lees, L-E-E-S, is actually the dregs in the bottom of the container. It's actually part of the skins and part of the grapes before it's filtered. From there, that's where you get your finest, strongest wine. But yet, whenever you keep on pouring it through the silk or the cotton, the cloth, and be able to take out the dregs or the lees, and it becomes weaker and weaker. So, out of the lees, he's saying to his people, I will give you of the greatest victory man has ever known. Nothing will be watered down in the millennium to make it go a little farther cause the great provider is in our midst we won't need welfare we won't need social security checks cause there ain't gonna be no saints there in all crippled up bodies praise God there won't be no glasses there won't be no optometrists there won't be no surgeons there won't be no hospitals there won't be no ER's Notice the blessings of the Messianic kingdom. Now you've got to understand whenever the the Hebrews would have heard this, they identified a feast with the kingdom age. So they're not just thinking about a big large spread. You know, there's a bunch of beans and taters and maters and cucumbers and chicken and pork and this and that and the other. They identified a, a spread like this as a kingdom. So when the feast was being portrayed to them, they identified it as a kingdom. You Imagine them scholars and the doctors of the law, when they heard the Lord Jesus saying that a certain man, his son got married, Matthew 22, a certain king made a feast for his son. Them Jews that knew the Old Testament prophecies and the law, they knew his reference was to a kingdom it made them so angry they said who are you you're born over here in Nazareth and you're talking about a kingdom oh my they couldn't stand it but it was the king himself talking about it so I reckon he'd know what he's talking about now notice, oh my! He tells us then that, in, 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 again Isaiah Isaiah twenty five seven He will destroy and dismount in the face of the covering cast over the people and the veil that is spread over all nations, the thing that's hindered them, the things that's kept them from the reality of God. God will annihilate it. Amen. Verse eight. He will swallow up. Death in victory. The very first reference to the abolition of death in the entire scripture. The very first place in the Bible that God says to death, just to let you know, I will destroy you. He will swallow up death and victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the rebuke of his people shall he take away from all the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. Amen. And it shall be said in that day after he abolishes this death. Notice, glory be to God. After the denunciation the of Isaiah saying in verse 8 that he will abolish death. Then notice verse 9. And it shall be said in that day, lo, this is our God. Whatever we know, he's moved into that cycle and abolished death. Only God can destroy death amen and what will be our response this is our God let me say it to you today I'm not waiting to the millennium to say this is my God but I'm going to say to you when I was born again when you was born again when we got converted we can say it now this is our God he took spiritual death away from our soul he took spiritual death away from our church he took spiritual death away from our children this is our God And if you'll notice all these folks that said this was one people, because they didn't say "This is one of our gods." They said, "This is our God. Now if money's yours, then let money destroy death. If cigarettes, pride, alcohol, whatever more, is your God, then let it destroy death. Let it prove its power. Many people died, but only one man died and raised himself back up again. Amen. Amen. And it shall be said in that day, Lord, this is our God. Here's a sign of saints. We have waited. We have waited. That's the story of your life. You wait through sickness. You wait through difficulty. You wait through disappointment. You wait when you pray and you pray and you ask God to move. Sometimes He says yes, sometimes He says no, sometimes He says wait a while, but you wait anyway. This is an attribute of the real people of God. If God says, wait, if we respond to his attributes, we wait. This is what we do. We believe, but we still believe while we're waiting. We are still trusting while we are waiting. And here they are uh, identifying the very epitome of their souls. We have waited. What are we doing today? We're waiting for the rapture. We're waiting for our children to come in, waiting for our loved ones. We are waiting for our Lord. We are waiting for the millennium. And when the millennium starts, we will stand up and give testimony and say, this is our God. We have waited for Him. I've waited decades of my life. I've waited years of my life the way you've waited years, and we will continue to do so. We have waited for Him. He will save us. This is the Lord and they they thought it was so good they just say it again. We have waited for him and we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Isaiah 26.1 In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for our walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth truth may enter in. Are y'all gonna sing with me or what? (laughs) Y'all better learn this song because we're fixing to sing it. Amen. Open ye the gates of the righteous nation which keepeth the truth. Remember last night we looked at it that Jerusalem was called the city of truth. Or here's the inhabitants going in, the keepers of truth. And they're married to who? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Oh, you mean there'll be gates, Brother Donnie, in the millennium? Hmm. Twelve. Twelve gates to the city. Notice in verse three. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee trust ye in the Lord forever for the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength for he bringeth down them that dwell on high the lofty city he layeth it low he layeth it low even to the ground he bringeth it even to the dust praise God chapter 27 verse 12 Israel gathered and it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall beat off From the channel of the river under the stream of Egypt. And ye shall be gathered one by one, O you children of Israel. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown. And they shall come which are ready to perish in the land of Assyria. The outcasts of the land of Egypt. And shall worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem. Holy Mount at Jerusalem Isaiah 56, 6 Also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord To serve Him And to love the name of the Lord These are the folks now in the millennium That's going to give their heart to God Under the Messianic Kingdom They are strangers But they will join themselves to the Lord To serve Him To love the name of the Lord To be His servants Not His bride to be his servants, every one that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, and taketh a hold of my covenant, millennium converts, Amen. even them will I bring to my holy mountain. Why? This is the only place worship will be accepted. Now, you see, the folks that live over in Babylon won't be able to build them a little church over there. And so, say, well, won't this work? And then the people over in Iran said, well, we'll build us a little church over here. I mean, it'd save us all this journey to go over there. And the people in Britain and the people in the Galatia and wherever more. I said, well, why, why don't you just have all these other churches? He said, no, there's only one place I will accept your worship and that is in Jerusalem. Amen. Praise God. Even them will I bring to my holy mountain. Again, notice singular not plural, and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar, for mine house shall be called a house of prayer for all people, and isn't it amazing, the king of the millennium stands there in the temple of Jerusalem, the second temple, and he tells him, he said, you bunch of thieves and bunch of robbers, did not my father say his house would be a house of prayer? Here's the king of the millennium, quote, millennium scriptures. Notice Isaiah six eight. The Lord God which gathereth the outcast of Israel saith Yet will I gather others. Amen. I'm one of them. Amen. I will gather others to him beside those that are gathered to him. There you go friends. Isaiah 65.17 For behold I create new heavens and new earth. Now, listen to me carefully so you don't misunderstand me. The millennium now dawned. It enters into the preliminary stage or the forerunning of the eighth day. As I mentioned it to you last night, the beginning of Pentecost 2,000 years ago was the heralding or the opening of what was termed in the Bible the last days. The last days began at Pentecost. The term last days started being used in, of course, the New Testament, and it goes right on down. So the heralding of the baptism of the Holy Ghost began this time frame called the last days. The millennium is the end of the last week of time. God already starts reflecting his new created position in the eighth day while it's still yet in the cycle of the seventh day. Don't let that stagger you. We're were already there as far as our souls today. Our souls has moved into eternity. Our soul with the baptism of the Holy Ghost is where? It's not in time. It's already in the eighth day. Oh, my. So notice God says, Behold, I create new heavens and new earth, and the former shall not be remembered, nor come into mine. So the seventh day already starts merging from the supernatural realm, which could not be seen, to the natural realm, which is becoming tangible, and the eternal glories of the eighth day are starting to come together in what? The seventh day, the millennium. They so got a little bit of Luther A little bit of Methodist A little bit of Pentecostal A little bit of this that And the other and winds up In the seventh day Which the ministry Of the seventh angel Goes to all the loose ends And so it's pointing The bride toward what? Her future home The eighth day So in the seventh day The millennium It will be the beginning Of the end Of the last week By which God Will eradicate time And pull it back up Into the loop of eternity again Oh my Think of it Oh Hallelujah Notice, but be glad. Isaiah 65, 18. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem. A rejoicing. And her people. A joy. God will create the inhabitants of Jerusalem. A joy. And I. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. Almighty God, Almighty God will rejoice. Praise God. Almighty God will rejoice in Jerusalem and he will joy in you. As a matter of fact, he'll even sing over you. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her. Now remember Isaiah 65 is the millennium, not eternity. Eternity is Isaiah 66. But the cycle of the new earth and the new heavens has already kicked in in the seventh day you understand every time somebody comes up here and we lay hands on them and we ask god to heal them and god touches their body right there do you understand what just happened a foretaste of the millennium Lord Jesus A foretaste of the body change God supernaturally moved on their body And moved a heart condition Or moved this and moved that What was that? It was a foretaste A down payment of the body change A down payment of the millennium When God one day will move on this earth And bring what to the earth? Healing The earth has the power of the spoken word in her. In her, she is the spoken word of God. All she needs rid of is all this mess out here. And the healing power of God will come upon the earth and the earth will be healed. There shall no more be thence an infant of days nor an old man that has not filled his days for the child shall die a hundred years old. But the sinner, being a hundred years old, shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. So for those of you that thought you are just going to float around on a cloud, playing a harp or a guitar, (laughs) get in your mind the garden of, Of Eden. When God tells Adam, Till it, work it, keep it, this is what the millennium will be to us. The earth will be returned to its initial fertility. The Bible says the moon, the sun rather, will be seven times hotter. No doubt tilted on the axis. You know it's a strange thing as well as I do. That even though in the winter time the earth itself, the earth itself is closer to the sun than it is in the summer. You didn't know that? Yes. 93 million miles, something like that. Yet in the winter time, as far as the earth itself, the body of the earth, the mass of the earth is closer to the sun than in the winter time than it is in the summer time. But why is the temperature not the same? The tilt on the axis. How is it you've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you love God with all of your heart? Why is it you can't get closer to God? Why is it that you seem like you reach a spot and you can't get beyond that spot? What is it? You're tilted. You're still tilted. You're still tilted. Oh, but one day you're going to stand upright. <laughs> oh how many knows what i'm talking about you know you want more of god and you seem like you come up again and say lord what's wrong with me god what's the matter with me i know there's more i want to be closer to you lord help me what's going on with me god oh but brother sister in the millennium when the earth stands back up you talking about a time for the people of god we will rock right back up into the cycle we will know him the way we've desired to know him now but the tilt keeps us from it. You know what I'm saying? Y'all ever have those tilting experiences in your life? Other folks around you just shouting their shoe heels off. They're just praising God and you're standing there as cold as a tater. You don't feel nothing. You don't feel absolutely nothing at all. You say, God, don't you love me no more? God, you forgot my address. God, you forgot my phone number. You don't know where I'm at. Well, we go through those cycles in our life. Life is made that way under the law of contrast. In the millennium, the law of contrast will be annihilated. Can I have a little more time? They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. You imagine a glorified body eating grapes. You said that's crazy. Well, Jesus didn't think it was. He ate some fish and a honeycomb. I love this verse 22. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant, and another eat. Isn't that typical for the description of life? Of course, when Isaiah written this, men's days had been reduced to three score and ten. It wasn't like it was in the days of Methuselah, 969 years old, and the days of Adam, 930. You realize Seth outlived Abraham. Do you know that Enoch, Enoch, was allowed to walk with Adam? 165 years. Let me not get started on that. But <laughs> <laughs> well, what's Isaiah give? He's seated around, he sees his daddy and maybe his uncles, his grandpas that they work and they labor to make a good living. About the time they get to the spot in life where they can enjoy it, they die. If you you know how you look at it, maybe even your parents or your grandparents and they worked and they labor to try to get a good living set for you and for them. And when about the time you get it, cancer strikes them or something hits them. But God said, Isaiah, let them know I'll break that cycle in the millennium. They'll not plant a house and then they get it real nice and real comfortable. And about the time they get ready to move in, they die and somebody else gets the house. Let them know Isaiah when they plant their vineyard, when they plant their garden. They'll not plant it and somebody else come in. There won't be no repossession there because there won't be no mortgages there won't be no credit cards there won't be no monthly payments come on saints oh praise be to God it will be a system so far beyond our own it's hard for us to even comprehend such for as the days of a tree are the days of my people you understand there is a Baobab tree in Asia that is 1200 years old there's a couple of different trees in different parts of the world that is dated to be between 4 and 5 thousand years old so God didn't pick a flower to symbolize it but he said Isaiah tell them a tree as the days of a tree are the days of my people. And mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Think of a friend You never get up in the morning and say, oh. Oh. I need to grab the hot water bottle. Oh, where's my pain feels? Oh God. Oh. It won't be. You never get up in the morning and say, Did you sleep? Well, that's not the only way you can sleep if we sleep there. How was your day? Perfect. Like the day before, the day before, the day before, the day before, the day after, the day after, the day after. The day after. It's perfect. Every day is absolutely completely perfect. It's wonderful. They will not hurt their destroy. And all my holy mountain said the Lord, as I said last night, nobody will say anything hurtful to anybody else. Nobody will ever get their feelings hurt. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. All men will be prosperous. All men's house, property, whatever is given to them will be mortgage free. You'll be out of a job, buddy. No finance companies. You won't need state farm insurance because there won't never be no calamities. There won't be no strong winds. There won't be no tornadoes. There won't be no hurricanes. Why? The Prince of Peace is in control. You're talking about a honeymoon, brother, sister. Micah 4.3 He shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree and none shall make them afraid. Can you imagine living in a world where no one, experiences fear you're not afraid of sickness you're not afraid of death you're not afraid of sorrow you're not afraid of anybody else there's just no fear there (laughs) Zechariah 3 twin and that day saith the Lord of hosts shall every man he shall call every man his neighbor under his vine and under the fig. notice how these prophets so parallel this together what a time of peace Isaiah 65, 23, they shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble. For they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. Now, many of us want that working right now. That's the way we have before we ever call, God answers our prayer. This is millennium scripture, friends. Now our patience has got to be tried and perseverance. Before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Don't you understand? It's not just the animals. It's not just the earth. It's the relation between us and God that will finally reach the restored position. He wanted it to be all along. Do you think he wants to delay your prayers? Do you think that he does it because he's mean? You think he does it because he doesn't care? He does it for our good. But there it will not be needed. Praise God. We read this last time, but let's read it again. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy. And on my holy mountain, saith the Lord. The millennium kingdom will illustrate a height of spiritual life that has never been known on the earth. It will also be a life of great prosperity. Plenty of food. Plenty of love. Plenty of peace. Isaiah 30, 23. And then shall this listen, he give the rain of thy seed. And thou shalt sow the ground with all and the bread of the increase of the earth, and it shall be fat and plenteous. In that day shall thy cattle feed in large pastures. We ain't talking about South Texas. We're talking about the land of Israel. You get overwhelmed sometimes. Some of you think when you read Psalm 23, the trilogy of Psalm 22, 23, and 24, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Some of y'all think in East Tennessee rolling field. you ought to see what they call pastors. You look out on it yourself, and probably 60 to 75% of what you see is rock, sand, and dirt. But that was an Israeli pastor. P-A-S-T-U-R-E. But there's little sprigs here and little sprigs there and little sprigs here. It ain't knee-high alfalfa. And they had to have a large area in order to eat. But God says, just so y'all will know, you're gonna have plenty of grazing grounds. I know some of our politicians want to get rid of our cows, but apparently in the millennium, God's gonna have them. The oxen likewise and the young asses that ear the corn shall eat clean provender which hath been winnowed with the shovel and with the fan. Isaiah 35.7 And the parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of dragons which each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. And the highway shall be there. And the way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men. Though fools shall not err therein. Again, the millennium. The heathens will be raised. The American Indian. The Muslims of different ages that did never hear the truth. Bob. The millennium has a resurrection on each end. It's open with a resurrection and close with one. You imagine they raised. They went down into the grave. Many of the Native Americans, they went down into the grave crying on the great spirit, the great spirit this and the great spirit that. They did not know the truth. In the millennium, they will raise up. You imagine them standing up on the plains of South Dakota and Wyoming and Nebraska and them places out there and they'll look and say, where in the world am I? Maybe one of you brothers will be commissioned to go over and tell them, you have been raised in the land of the millennium. That great spirit that you prayed to for all those years is the Lord Jesus Christ. I am sent as one of his sons an ambassador of his kingdom to tell you, you have been given a space of a thousand years for you and your people to live. (laughs) Praise be to God. You will be expected to be in church next Sabbath. (laughs) Praise be to God. Maybe some of the ancient Croatians, maybe some of the Siberians and those that's been raised over the earth that never had the... Look, it's not folks that get a second chance. It's those that never had the opportunity to hear... Though they be a fool, the way will be so plain explained by the ambassadors of the Messianic kingdom. They will not be able to err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return And come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sigh shall flee away. Let me close with this. Zephaniah 3.14. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice all the heart O daughter of Jerusalem the Lord has taken away thy judgments he has cast out thine enemy the King of Israel even the Lord is in the midst of thee thou shalt not see evil anymore in that day it shall be said to Jerusalem fear thou not and to Zion let not thy hands be slack the Lord thy God is in the midst of thee is mighty he will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. And he will joy over thee with singing. God singing a love song to his people. Still more remarkable. Jeremiah thirty three fifteen. 15 In those days at that time Will I cause the branch of righteousness To grow up unto David And he shall execute judgment and righteousness In the land And in those days shall Judah be saved And Jerusalem shall dwell safely And this is the name Wherewith She Shall be called The Lord Our righteousness Which is Jehovah Titskanu. Jehovah Titskanu. So Jerusalem will be called the Lord is our righteousness. He and the city and the people in the millennium, in the millennium, will become so one. The city will take on his Jeremiah three five. Behold the days come saith the Lord that I will raise unto David a righteous branch and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Eskanu and Ezekiel calls it Jehovah, Shama, the Lord is there. Let me read a couple more scriptures. You rest yourself, sir. By Daniel, Ezekiel 43, 7. And he said unto me, son of man... The place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet. Can you imagine? God with feet. God wanted feet. This is why you ain't taking it from me. It is the desire of my God to want a human body that he could call his own. (laughs) the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever and my holy name shall the house of Israel no more defile neither they nor their kings by their whoredom nor by their carcasses of the kings in their high places in their setting of their threshold by my thresholds you understand the setting of their thresholds, which is their doors, God said, I want to be among them. In other words, their entrance to their front door will be next to mine. We'll be next door neighbors. I know, friends, it just nearly blows us away. We can't hardly think. This is how much He loves you. And their post, which was the doorpost, their post, by my post, and the wall between me and them, they have even defiled my holy name by their abominations that they have committed. Wherefore, I have consumed them in my anger. Now, let them put away their whoredom and the carcasses of the kings far from me, and I will dwell in the midst of them forever. My threshold will be here, and theirs will be there. My doorpost will be here and theirs will be there. We'll be neighbors. Praise God. Can't you see? He wanted you to have a body that you could feel and touch and see. And he wanted to have one. What is it about us humans that we want to touch one another? What is it about us? Brother Robert came in the other day to visit us. Whenever I saw him, he saw me. It's just something about it. We want to just grab one another and touch one another. All I've known of my Lord since I was a twelve-year-old boy, I've been serving him fifty years. All I've known is this unseen presence and this feeling, and you know what I'm saying that causes your emotions and sometimes your flesh to crawl and your hair to stand up on the back of your neck. That mysterious part about him. But one day, I'll get to look at eyes that are similar to mine and hair that is similar to mine and hands and feet. Praise God. That's the Jesus I'm looking for. He said, Ezekiel, tell them. When the millennium dawns, I want their threshold next to mine. And I want their doorpost next to mine. Let them know, Ezekiel, my glory is departed. You saw as it left the river. You saw over the river at You saw the man's draped, draped in, in, in bronze. You saw it. The glory left. But tell them, Ezekiel, it's coming back. It reminds me of that sad day as God went running through the Garden of Eden looking for his son, and he couldn't find him. Oh, he knew where he was. When he finally came out from behind the bushes and God went over and killed a lamb and pulled the skin off of it, threw it over to his son and daughter, and behind the bushes they were sitting there trembling, shaking, quivering. And God demanded that they come out. Then God told him, leave, get out, and don't come back. I can see her as her head leans over on his chest, her blonde hair hanging down over his chest and his arms, her tears falling out of her eyes, but this time his is now falling out as well, running down, falling on her hair as they mingle together. And they mingle with the blood on their bodies from the innocent sheep. As they're walking out in the bloody sheepskin, hitting their legs. As they walk out and Papa looked at him and he said, I can't take it. I can't take it. So he comes down in front of them and he gets down in front of them and stops. He says, stop.
1: Stop. I promise. I'll bring you.
0: I'll bring you back. Hallelujah! Imagine as he put him outside and he shut the garden gate and set the cherubims there to protect the way back to the tree of life. And there he was inside the garden, all alone again. He said, I, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to live in paradise alone. He made a way. Aren't you glad the angels of God are not there keeping you out of it today? But they're there beckoning you to come. Come on back. Come on back, children. Oh, Brother Donnie, I want it so bad. I know. I know I do too. But I've only wanted it for a few decades of my life since I found out about it. Can you imagine him? He's been wanting it for billions of years. Can you imagine the anticipation he must have? The angels as they breathlessly await, they know it's getting close. Oh, happy day when our Lord Jesus changes his garment and sets the cycle in motion for the change. Please, friends, don't miss it. Do everything you can by God's grace and mercy to accept what he's given you so that you can be ready for that great day. Let's bow our heads together, if you would. Heavenly Father, it overwhelms us today, Lord, to think that you'd want your threshold next to ours. You'd want your post next to ours. You told John the same thing I'll dwell among them, I'll be their God. Oh, what a great day it was when Moses was able to pitch the tabernacle in the wilderness. You was able to come down and move in behind the skins. You who had heard the praises of cherubims and seraphims and angels, yet you come down among the children of Israel and you heard them talking about their goats and their cows and their children and their grandchildren and their problems and their issues that we're dealing with. And you were so happy to walk among them. And to hear of their troubles. I pray you'd help us today, Lord, to understand we're not wearying you when we bring the multiplicity of our troubles. And we have many in this day that we live. We have so many problems and so many troubles and so many sickness and disease. But Lord, help us to understand we do not weary you by bringing them to you over and over again. You want to be the one that we go to, you want to hear about our many, many problems. For your prophet tells us in the church age book, it gives you reason and purpose of being. Hallelujah. My needs, the needs of these people, and the needs of millions of your children around the world, gives you reason and purpose of being. Praise God. So we call upon your name this morning. We lay all of our needs, simple and complex, at the mercy seat of Jesus. Our sicknesses, our sorrows, our troubles. We call upon the name of the Lord God Almighty. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Riva, Jehovah Titzkanu, Jehovah Shammah. The human name, Lord Jesus Christ. We bring all of our burdens and our troubles and our worries. We lay them at your feet, Lord God. Hallelujah. Minister to the needs of your people today, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Don't you love him, children? are not we a blessed people Amen. Yes, to be able to be beckoned into the presence of our great King? Harry, let's sing something together as we just worship him a little bit before I let you go. I'll let you go here shortly. Or you can get your lunch. I'll tell you what, to me, this is better than any lunch you'll ever have. Amen. Sitting in the presence of God, feasting on his word. Amen. We're getting fat things and on the lees right now. In my view, feasting on heavenly manna. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. My provider. Let's sing it together now. You are Lord. Oh yeah. you today mighty god hallelujah hallelujah we worship you lord we worship you lord think of it friends when there'll come a day when it won't just be us singing to him but him singing back to us oh my praise god amen let's bow our heads together if you would father god Thank you for this day that you allowed us to be together. Lord, as we look out and we see the days warming and the grass turning green, the little trees putting out their buds and the daffodils breaking the ground, the forsythia bushes starting to bloom. Lord, this cycle has been upon the earth now for many millennia. Praise God. But we know very soon that cycle will be broken. The earth cries. We don't hear her, but she cries in groaning and relief. One day she'll sigh and sigh and cry no more. And the sons of God will stand upon the earth in their restored form. Help us, Lord Jesus. Encourage your people. Bring healing. Bring strength, Father. We love you, Lord. Thank you for the service today. Amen. Go with us now, Lord, as we go our separate ways. Watch over us. Keep us by your grace, we ask, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name. God bless you, saints. See you, Lord willing, Wednesday.
1: Well, has it been good?
0: Have you eaten well today? Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. Amen. Praise the Lord. Remember service here Wednesday night. Let's come back. We'll do it all over again. Shake hands with somebody today, tell them to have a good day, give them a nice smile, a good firm handshake, and let's sing this
1: as we go. Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go?